Thank you, Jesus. It is indeed a happy day. Amen. Amen. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave. (laughs) Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Muhammad is dead. Amen. He is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. In fact, more than 2,000 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. He did not travel extensively. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived. That was during his exile in childhood. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, you ruled the course of nature and walked upon the waves as pavement and hushed the sea to sleep. You healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his service. You never wrote a book, and yet perhaps all the libraries in the world could not hold the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme of more songs than all the songwriters put together. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students and disciples. He never marshaled an army, nor drafted a soldier, nor fired a gun, and yet no leader ever had more volunteers. We have, under his orders, made more rebels stake arms and surrender without a single shot being fired. He never practiced psychiatry, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors put together. Once a week, multitudes congregate at worshiping assemblies to pay homage and respect to him. The names of the past proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of past scientists, philosophers, theologians have come and gone. But the name of this man multiplies more and more. Though time has spread 2,000 years between the people of this generation and the mockers at his crucifixion, yet he still lives. His enemies could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. He stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory. Proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by devils. As the reason, personal, Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are either going to be with him forever or forever without him. It is the incomparable Christ who said, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Today, my friends, I invite you to believe in in our Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Amen. He is not dead. He is alive. I said he is not dead. He is alive. He lives in your hearts and he lives in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Today marks a very important day. It is the Resurrection Sunday. 
It is a day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. They put him in the grave thinking they had finished him. But guess what? He was just about to begin something that blew their minds. Amen? Now, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. It is a fact. And it is the truth. Now, if the world can take away this truth from us as the church, we have no foundation to stand on. Amen? In fact, if they can take away this truth from us, everything else that we do becomes meaningless. Go with me quickly now to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Today we're going to teach a little. And the reason I say Happy Resurrection Sunday is I'm deliberately trying to avoid the word Easter. Amen? Because you won't find uh, Easter in the Bible. In fact, the only place the word Easter is in the book of Acts, it is Passa, which is the English word Passover. So they were not talking about Easter. Uh, how did Easter come along? Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Constantine. He was a Roman uh, um, general and uh, he was in charge of Rome at the time. And he was persecuting the church. And he was killing all the saints and so on and so forth at the time. And uh, what he realized was the more saints he killed, the more they recruited. Because people would look at him and say, man, if these people are willing to die for this thing, then there must be something special about this thing. In fact, they say uh, they would gather in the uh, Maxim Circus and throw Christians in there and unleash lions at them. And as they did that, what was so funny is all of these saints that were being martyred would be singing songs of praise while they are being killed by these lions. And not only that, the people sitting in the grandstands would see their conviction and also jump in so that they can be killed as martyrs. Can you see how far we've come in our Christianity? I mean, there was such a commitment from the early church that they were willing to die for what they believed. Today, I pose the same question to you today. Are you willing to die for what you believe? Are you willing to stand with the truth that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord? Because we are coming into a season of persecution where your faith will be challenged. And for some of us, <laughs> death will be uh, 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 the only option. Amen? Are you going to stand and say Jesus Christ is indeed Lord? Make sure that's a conviction in your heart. Amen? First Corinthians chapter number 15. So the gentleman Constantine realized that the church was growing. So he decided, listen, if you can't beat them, what should you do? Join them. So what did he do? He, make, he made Christianity the national religion of the time. And then the pagan worshippers came to him and they said, but what about our pagans? What about our rabbits and rabbit eggs? And he said, bring it all in. We will mix it with Christianity. So a lot of the pagan things that you see in Christianity came as a result of that. Hallelujah. But not the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a fact and a truth. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 15 from verse 12. From verse 12 to 28. Watch what it says. Uh, Can I have it in the New King James Bible? Watch what it says. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. See, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, 
We might as well sell our Bibles. Make some money, find some place to drink beer. And have fun. Amen? If Jesus Christ did not, was not raised from the dead, it makes vain of everything else that we do. Hallelujah? Watch what it says. Then our preaching is, in, is empty. And your faith also is empty. Next verse. Yes, we have found false witnesses of God. See, if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, we are false witnesses. And we have, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not raise. Next verse. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or those who have died in Christ have perished. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, which you should, we are all, we are of all men the most pitiable. So in other words, if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, we are the worst of the worst. Because we're running with something that is of no value. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead. And we are not the pitier, uh, pitiable of them all. But now Christ is risen. Notice what he says. He states it as a fact and a truth. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Remember how death came into the world? It was after God created Adam and Eve and He put them in the garden. And He said, of all the trees you may freely eat, but of the tree of uh, knowing, of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. And that tree represented obedience. That tree represents the tithe in other circles. And He said, of this tree you should not touch. And what happened? The serpent came to him. The Bible says uh, the enemy or Satan used the serpent because he was the most uh, cunning, the most subtle of the animals in the garden. And what did the enemy do? He went to Eve and said, did God say? What did he do? He went and dropped a thought of doubt, which was a, 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 a seed of disobedience and it produced the fruit thereof. And then from that moment onwards, God told man, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Now, what did he mean by that? Because you and I know that when Adam ate of the fruit, he didn't, boom, drop dead. He said, you will surely die. What does uh, uh, death mean in the context of what God was teaching? He was talking about spiritual death. There's going to be a disconnect between your spirit and God's spirit. And what happened in the garden was man became uh, isolated on the, or he was separated from God when he disobeyed God. Amen? And man lost his authority. Someone say authority. authority. Because God had put man in the garden of Eden to be in charge. God created man to be in charge of the earth realm and his circumstances. And man became subject of circumstances. Men began, began to walk around saying it's flu season. They became subject of circumstances. Instead of dominating circumstances. Yeah. That's right. Hallelujah. 
And the second thing the man lost was he lost his provision. You know why? Because he was kicked out of the garden, which produced fruit of itself. God never created anyone to chase after paper or provision. God never created you for paper chase. In fact, he put him in the garden just to keep it and dress it, just to be in his purpose. And then provision would find him while he's doing what he was created to do. But when he disobeyed God, God kicked him out of the garden and he didn't have access to his provision. Hallelujah. Did you know that you were never created just to go to work to pay bills and die? Make babies for some and then die? Did you know that? God created you to pursue and fulfill your purpose in the earth realm. Everyone in the New Testament, more so in the early church, knew what their purpose was. The disciples knew what their purpose was. Paul knew what his purpose was. He said, my purpose is to uh, teach the gospel to the Gentiles. And as he did that, provisions found him. See, man was created to pursue purpose. And as you do that, provisions will come after you. The third thing uh, man lost in the garden was fellowship. He ran away from God. And because of the sin, God could not fellowship with man. Because God cannot fellowship with sin. And he lost his fellowship. He could not hang out with the Lord anymore. In fact, God came and asked, him, where, and asked Adam, where are you? I've been, I've been looking for you. Hallelujah. And the fourth thing that man lost was, we said fellowship, provision, authority. And the fourth thing was identity. He forgot who he was in Christ. Amen. And thank God, Jesus Christ came to restore all of that. Watch what he says in the next verse. Thank you, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Notice how we come alive. We don't come alive because of what we do. And we did not become sinners because of what we did. We became sinners because of what Adam did. Not because what we do individually. And it's the same process. If you're going to become a saint, you do not become a saint by doing good. You become a saint through one man, Jesus Christ. And that is no passport for sin. Amen? Next verse. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Next verse. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. So we said man lost the four things. Now let's find out through scripture how Jesus Christ restored us to our number one authority. Someone say authority. authority. To our number two provision. Someone say provision. provision. Now our number three identity. Someone say identity. identity. And to our number four fellowship. Someone say fellowship. Go with me now to Matthew chapter number 28, verse 18. Can I teach a little? Yeah. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is after Jesus Christ had been resurrected. And he came to his disciples and he's speaking primarily to his disciples and uh, uh, ultimately to us. Watch what he says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, how much? Oh. Come on, preach with me. How much? Oh. 
Now, what's left after all? Jesus came and said, All the authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Next verse. Now you go. What did he do? He just delegated that authority to you and me. He delegated the authority back to you and me. Amen. He says, now you go. You go and do what? You go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Give me Mark 16 from verse 14. Now I want you to see Mark's rendition of the same delegated authority. It's going to blow your mind. This authority has already been given to you. He said to Mark, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will do what? Will do what? See, because of the authority that you have, there are some signs that are supposed to follow you. He says these signs will follow those who believe. And he didn't say those who believe will chase after signs. Did you see that? It says misnomer when believers are chasing after signs and miracles and so on and so forth. It's a twisted, perverted gospel. That wasn't even part of the instruction. He says those who believe, these signs will follow them. In my name, they will cast out demons. Those who believe. How many believers do I have in the house this morning? Look at what you're supposed to be doing. Notice it didn't say those who believe when they fast, and pray for 40 days, will get the power to begin to cast out devils. No, he said, the authority has already been bestowed on you. Now you go out and take care of business. You go out and become a law enforcement agent. That's what we are called to be. Now, if a police officer, and you just graduated as a police officer, and they told you now, you know, you can go out and practice, uh, uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you're in traffic, and then you decide to go out to traffic, uh, what would you think if this police officer, before they went out uh, to conduct, you know, uh, uh, their business out in traffic, said, man, be- before I do this, uh, uh, can I have an opportunity for uh, me to fast for 40 days and uh, 40 nights so that I can get the power to do this? It's not even your power. The criminals would terrorize people if the police officers did that. You know what the police officers do? They put on that uniform and believe the authority that they get from that uniform. And they walk out in the streets and tell people what to do. Stop people, tell people to go, arrest people, throw them in prison and so on and so forth. What would happen if a police officer came to work and said, Today I'm not feeling it. I wonder if the cars I I, I stop will actually stop. I don't feel anointed enough. I don't feel anointed. It's not even your authority. 
See, when you come to church, they throw in all of these requirements, which weren't even part of the deal. Jesus said, if you believe, if you believe, all you have to do is believe. You can go out and cast out devils, and devils will listen to you. You know why? Because I took all of the authority, and I took some of that authority and delegated it to you. You're not even using your own authority. It's my authority, and I just gave it to you for you to use it. Just like the police officer does not operate in his own authority. He's operating under the authority of the government and the constitution. But guess what? It gives him power to do what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch what it says. It says believers will cast out demons. Someone shout, I am a believer. And therefore, I have the power to cast out devils. Man, Christianity is simple. Did you see this? It's so simple. It is only when it falls in the hands of theologians and bishops and they start telling you, you know, cast out devils, you must go two and two. No, Jesus never said that. He never said that. He said, if you believe in my name. So you could be a born again believer, born three seconds before this moment. You can go out and do this. What's your qualification? Believer. Someone shout, I am a believer. A believer is powerful. What else you will do? They will speak with new tongues. Next verse. They will take up serpents. Now he's not talking about handling snakes. Okay? (laughs) Okay? Next verse. (laughs) If. Someone say if. Someone say if. That means, if you ma- should you do this by mistake? Okay, don't go out and buy poison. If they drink only deadly anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? He didn't even say they will pray for the sick. Did you see that? He said they will just lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's how powerful a believer is. In fact, the Bible says whatsoever you touch is blessed. Tell your neighbor, if I touch you, you will be blessed. Next verse. So, God delegated this authority to the church. And you don't have to work for it. He earned it for you. All you have to do is receive it. Someone shout, today I receive my authority. Go with me now to Colossians 2, verse 15. In fact, let's read from verse 14. Colossians 2, verse 14. How many of you know that Satan has no authority? The devil has zero power. Except the power that you give to him. And I'm about to show it to you. Jesus, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary, and he has taken it out of the way, and having nailed it to the cross. This doesn't do it justice. Give it to me in the Message Bible. Verse 14. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant cancelled. 
and nailed to the cross. In other words, there was a legal document between Adam's transgression and Jesus dying on the cross that said you could be arrested. That legal document also said that sickness could be put on you. That legal document also said that poverty could be put on you. That legal document also said that curses were part of you. And Jesus came and blotted out the handwriting of ordinances and took that thing and nailed it to the cross and rendered it ineffective. So the only curses you in the only curses you will receive are the ones you let. The only see legally a thief is not allowed to break into your house. But guess what? If you let him, he will come in. Legally, the devil is not supposed to put sickness on my life. Legally, the devil is not supposed to put poverty in my life. Legally, the devil cannot put curses over my life. But if I let him, you will. So if I leave my doors open, you will. Though there is no legal arrest warrant. It's said to say a lot of folk are sitting in prison. All they have to do is realize, hey, listen, the bail has been paid. Please get me out of here. And they'll walk out. See, we have a lot of Christians sitting in poverty because they haven't realized it's been paid for. We have a lot of Christians sitting in sickness because they're just sitting in prison. Just, man, sitting in prison. No, it's been paid for. All you have to do is get up and leave. A lot of Christians dealing with generational curses. Man, there's no generational curse to inherit from Jesus Christ. Only generational blessings. And generational blessings are more powerful than generational curses. Remember the story of Balaam and Balak? Man, we have the blessing of the Lord. Watch what it says next verse in the King James. In fact, let me read it. Let me read it in the message and then we will go there. Having stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. You know why it was a sham authority? Because they deceived Eve into taking that authority. It wasn't even real authority. But you know when Jesus Christ came, He stripped. In fact, the Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter number 4 from verse 7 onwards, it says the same one who ascended, descended into the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, when Jesus Christ died, He went into hell. And they thought they had finished Him. We've killed Him. And I always like to picture things, man. I'm, I have an imaginative mind. I picture the devil just sitting with his cronies in the boardroom. Yeah. Saying, now that we have killed this one, and we have the authority forever, I would like to appoint some delegates in this room. <laughs> Sir, from today onwards, you are going to be the minister of sickness <laughs> and disease. Yeah. Administering sickness to these people. We want to torment them. You, sir, you are going to be the minister of poverty and death. Y'all know that poverty is not from God? Y'all yeah. know that poverty is not a blessing, right? Because I know some preach, hey, you know, sometimes God will bring you poverty to try and bless you. No, I don't want it, and I know it's not from God. See, when people teach those things, it confuses you. And, and, and it strips you of all the power to fight back and be a law enforcement agent for God. See, because if you told me sometimes sickness is from God and sometimes it's from the devil... And then I get sick. I don't know whether this sickness is from God or the devil. So you know what? I won't swing hard enough in case I hit Father God. 
<laughs> so, you know, I'm just fighting, but I'm not really fighting this sickness, because what if it's from God? So, but if I know it's from the devil, man, I'm swinging, I'm swinging wildly. I'm even biting your ear, Mike Tyson. Because <laughs> I know it is not from God. Amen. Amen. Amen? So sickness is not from God. You know why? Because Jesus Christ stripped the devil of all authority, his sham authority at the cross, and marched them naked through the streets. In fact, the King James Bible says, making a show of them publicly, triumphing over them. What he's doing, the Apostle Paul is borrowing from a Roman tradition and, and what they did in, in Rome at the time is that they would go and defeat a nation and what they would do is that they would take the king of that nation, uh, strip him of his royal uh, robes and then bring him into the streets of Rome to show the citizens of Rome that there is no, no need to fear anymore. The devil has been kicked and here he is. He isn't even wearing his royal robe. And it's sad to say most Christians were not at the parade. Because I still see Christians respond in fear to the devil. Mm. Yeah. No, the dude was defeated. Mm. And there was a parade. And he was made to march the streets naked. Yeah. With no royal robe. Yeah. In fact, they would uh, take off his thumb so that he can't make any royal decrees. Oh. Yeah. So the devil can't put anything on you that's enforceable. That's right. And yet people still feel, oh, I heard in that area there are demons. That's the area you should be walking into. Yeah. Amen. That's right. In fact, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was sleeping the one time. He was getting ready to sleep. And then he heard some funny noises in the days of candles and stuff. He heard the funny noises at the front of uh, his bed. And then he got up to see, to check what was going on in there. And he saw it was a manifestation of the devil. And he said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. That's how you should be dealing with the devil. See, man, people panic. when. In fact, uh, one prophet, a friend of mine, called me and, and said to me, Hey, Pastor T, uh, you know, I had a dream about you uh, and your family and so on and so forth. And I said, Hey, what happened in the dream? He said, I saw you and your child uh, going through this thing and then a gun went off. And by the time I'd stopped listening, I heard a gun went off and then boom, it hit you and then you died and we're sitting at your funeral and so on and so forth. And I said, but I read in Psalm 91 that Woo! you will give me life until I'm satisfied. Yeah. And I said, Jesus came that I might have life, yeah. not panic attacks, life and life in abundance. So I told him, I said, brother, I was born in the night, but not last night. <laughs> I'm mature in the Lord, and I know exactly what... He said, man, you know, so what we need to do is to get all my prayer intercessors and then wake up uh, at midnight so we can, you know, uh, fight this thing. And so and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be sleeping. You can go ahead and do that if you want to, but I'm going to be sleeping. You know why? Because I don't want to respond, watch this, in fear. The reason I pray is not because I'm afraid something terrible is about to happen to me. The reason I pray is because I have a pleasant relationship with the Father and I love to hang with Him. Amen. See, some people have not come to the parade so much so that they spend most of their time in prayer talking to the devil than they do to God. Fire, devil! I bind you, devil! And they never ever get an opportunity to hear from their Father. Man, when I get into prayer, I'm just hanging out with the Lord. Yeah. That's right. 
And if there is anything that needs to be taken care of, we will take care of it in the shortest possible time. You will never see uh, Jesus dealing with a legion. How much is a legion, brother? 3,000 demons, right? You will never see Jesus dealing with them. What's your name? What's your, where did you come from? No, he just says, man, come out! Two words. He uses his authority. You'll never see Jesus responding in panic. Oh, Lazarus is dead. Oh, man. Let us go. Let us organize a prayer meeting. Please, let's get together 2,000 saints so we can pray for Lazarus. No, he says, I'm going to come. I'm going to get there. He's not dead. He's asleep. That's right. And then he walks and he says, Lazarus, hey, Lazarus, come forth. And he walks away. You know why? Because he knows and understands his authority. See, sometimes we give the devil too much, way too much credit. The devil is a defeated foe. And he has no hold over you. Zero hold. The Bible says you are stripped naked. And you are made to march the streets naked. He cannot stick anything on you that is legal. Anything he puts on you can be challenged in the court of law. Just give it unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, this is awesome stuff. Thank you, Jesus. So the second thing that Jesus Christ restored was our fellowship with the Father. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. He restored our fellowship with the Father. Now we could go into the presence of the Lord again. Amen. Watch what it says. Therefore, if anyone, someone say anyone. anyone. Someone shout, I am an anyone. I am an anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So once you are in Christ, the old is gone. Amen. You are a new creation. Uh, old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. See, don't let the devil bring up your past. In fact, when he does, don't entertain him. Yeah, I know I used to be lost. Yeah, I know I did that. But guess what, devil? I'm a new creation. Hallelujah. All things have become new. Next verse. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have been reconciled. We have been brought together back again into relationship by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Not by what you do. Amen? Someone shout, I am now in fellowship with the Lord. The third thing he restored is that he restored our provision. He restored our provision. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. He restored our provision. My God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Amen. That's Philippians 4.19. And watch what it says here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? I didn't hear that. Jesus Christ was what? Jesus Christ was what? Did you see that? I used to think they were just a bunch of delirics, just, you know, unemployed, going through the streets of Jerusalem and just doing nothing. No. He was rich. Now, if you don't believe it, go and try to take care of 12 grown men. 
on your current budget. Amen. Jesus Christ was rich. He was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become what? So as he was hanging on the cross, he took upon all poverty and made wealth, richness, if you will, if there is a word, available. Not automatic. Available. For those that realize, hey, Jesus did it for me. I, I want it. They can take advantage of it. See, the will of God is not automatic, but it's available. Jesus made it available. See, because there's some people who just don't want to be rich. Jesus Christ became poor. If you are also poor, it's called double jeopardy. It's called paying for the same crime twice. You don't have to. Jesus has already paid for it. If you are also sick, it's the same thing. You're paying for what's already been paid for. In fact, it's illegal. The third thing, the fourth thing that Jesus Christ restored was our identity. Amen. This is why we encourage people in this church to spend a lot of time between the book of Romans and the book of Jude. Why? Because it tells you who you are in Christ. Who am I in Christ? Not only that, it tells you what you have in Christ. And not only that, it tells you what you can do in Christ. So who am I? I am more than a conqueror. What do I have? I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. What can I do? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So Jesus Christ came to restore us back to our position of identity. So that we can be God's children again. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. And shout these words. I am complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. I am alive in Christ. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand but it will not come near me. I am holy and without blame before Him in love. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding i have the greater one living on the inside of me because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world i have the gift of righteousness and i reign as king in life by christ jesus i have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of jesus and my eyes being enlightened, I have received the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out devils, to speak with new tongues. I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing, and nothing shall by any means harm me. I can quench the fiery darts 
of the wicked one with my shield of faith. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I show forth the praises of God who called me out out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am God's child and I am born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. I am God's workmanship. You know what that means? It means you are God's poem. The Greek word for workmanship is poema, which means God constructed you carefully, even made you to rhyme and sound good while we at it. Someone shout, I am God's workmanship created in Christ unto good works. You were created for good things. Created for good things. See, when you walk past a really, really nice house or a really, really nice car, and say, man, I like that. Don't cast that out. It's not the devil. It's God. Amen? Heaven is nice. We were created for nice things. It's beautiful. It's got gold everywhere. Amen? I am God's child. I am a spirit being alive to God. I am a new creature and my past is irrelevant. I am a joint heir with Christ, a doer of the word, and I am blessed in my actions. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I am a partaker of His divine nature. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and I am not my own. I am, not, I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. I am the light of the world. I am his elect, full of mercy, kindness, humility, and long-suffering. I am forgiven of all my sins. I am washed in the blood. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am redeemed from the curse, the curse of sin, the curse of sickness, and the curse of poverty. I have been brought back. 